animals less healthy than you can't nourish you. Are you surviving or are you thriving? Are you too busy to live? Do you have grain brain? That was brain. Fight for your life. Get your prescription for health today. Is Mother Nature too good to be It's true? not you, it's the food. It's a no-grainer. Oh, <laughs> um, that isn't happening to us. It's already happening to you, woman. Join our army of minas. Keep the government off our farms. Make, Make it, it happen today. today. Save the bacon. Save the bacon. Save the bacon. It's time to drop some atomic mom bombs. It's not me. It's you. Invest in your life. Yay! Her name is Meethy. Go save the bacon, mommy. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode two of Neethi the Pharmacist. In the first episode, Rohit and I were explaining... Um, our story and just sharing with you why we wanted to launch this podcast. In this second episode, he and I want to share with you the challenges we faced as we became regenerative consumers. Hear what we sacrificed and how we manage large family gatherings. Stay tuned because in the next episode, I will get into how to identify real food versus imitation food. So people are always wondering, like, how do you begin making changes to be a regenerative consumer that is supporting regenerative, organic, small family farms? And um, I thought that Rohit and I could talk with you guys a little bit about our experience, um, since now you know why we were making changes. But uh, I mean, obviously, we had a gun to our heads when we had to change everything, but I'm not sure everyone doesn't have a gun to their head already. I mean, most people don't realize it, but, you know, there's always, you're always trying to get healthier, get fitter, get better, um, however that is to you. So, you know, part of, part of it is the, part of the reason why you're listening to the podcast in the first place is, is because you want to make a change. Right. I mean, uh, you know, having allergies, dealing with colds and uh, losing sick time at work or even on your vacation is enough reason to want to try to figure out how. I think that people don't know that you don't have to be sick. Like it's not normal. I mean, it's common, but it's not normal. Yeah, I mean, in our house, since we've changed, we, we really don't get sick that much. I mean, we kind of are, you know, get headaches and maybe are down uh, with allergy symptoms and things like that, that kind of slow us down. But we're never actually like sick where we have to be in bed and that kind of thing anymore. Or we haven't been in a long time, I should say. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, one of the kids will get a fever, literally for what, 24 hours, maybe. Max. Max. No other symptoms, though. Nothing else. Nothing that actually would uh, would keep them out of school. I mean, we keep them out with fever because the rules of the fevers, but... Um, yeah, the schools have their own rules, and so we have to follow those as well. So that's typically why the kids might be out of school and officially sick, but the, the fever or whatever it is usually does not last more than 24 hours. And it generally doesn't keep them from doing whatever... I mean, we've kind of forced them to rest, but anyway, um, I think that when your child's life is at stake, the first thing you do, or the first thing you think about is how to stop it. 
And I don't think the question in our minds ever was, how are we going to pay for, pay to stop it? Yeah. And most of the time, you know, eating better is not that large a priority to anyone because, you know, food is everywhere. So people don't think about, uh, you know, the, the fact that food and the, and the cost of it uh, should also uh, be related to the fact that it's you know, higher quality it, it's, or it, yeah or, yeah, the, yeah the 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 nutrient content the quality of the food and all that you're going to pay a little bit more to get better quality food or especially uh grass-based food um or anything that is coming off of these farms that isn't heavily subsidized by the government with grain. And um, later on in the pod- podcast, you're going to learn about um, what, you know, correct beef, pork, chicken, um, you know, various species should be consuming for them to be healthy, what kind of fish you should look for, things of that nature. But I think that, um, and we will discuss uh, in great detail um, what type of inputs are required for you to actually have animals that are healthier than you are. But um, I think that when we made the move to source foods directly from the farmers, we realized it was more expensive, but, you know, it was never a deterrent for us. I knew uh, I Rohit and I, we had a, a budget. I knew what my budget was. I had to figure out meals to go with it. And that was all. It wasn't very complicated. I tried a bunch of new meal ideas, making meals with whatever I gathered, like, you know, like a hunter gatherer and Rohit and the kids just ate it. I mean, you know, I would get some faces here and there, but mainly they knew that I worked really hard to gather and figure out how to fill our bellies with something. And we never... You know, we were never hungry. The kids never went to bed hungry. I mean, we we always, you know, wanted our typical things that you, that you did, you know, that kids want or we want to eat. But we also knew that we were trying to make a change for a reason, and so we were more uh, open to trying new things as well because we knew it was for a reason like we had a reason right next to us and you know i think too like you've always you always eat everything like you always want to try new stuff anyway and we raised yeah. the kids like that we uh, yeah both anithi and i have always been open to trying trying different things anyway so and we also brought up the kids that you know they weren't going to have just what they wanted or liked they were just going to eat whatever the adults were eating. We never had kids' meals specific or anything like that, you know, where the kids were eating, you know, macaroni and cheese and the adults were having something else. We or, weren't raised that way. Right. We ne- we, we weren't yeah. raised that way. We never think of eating that way. We didn't want to bring up our kids that way. I mean, our my, um, my, my eight-year-old now at six was eating sushi. Four. We got four. Maybe four. four, Yeah. So we've always, we've always tried all different kinds of foods. We love to experiment with different foods and different ethnicities. Uh, We try everything. Uh, I think our biggest problem is we want diversity all the time. Like we're always wanting to try something new and different. And 
right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, like every meal, we want something different. We we usually don't want the same thing ever. I so. mean, sometimes we're stuck with that eating seasonally, but our parents never raised us in a way that we were. I don't think I was ever allowed to. First of all, I was never allowed to say that something was yuck or gross or something. We couldn't disrespect food because, you know, it is nourishing somebody somewhere. So you always. Um, you know, speak very respectfully of nourishment. And um, I was always made to try one one bite of everything. I, I don't think that we yeah, ever... We've always made the kids have at least, you know, three bites of something before they say they don't want any more or don't like it or whatever. And when they were smaller, we made them take no thank you bites. They had to eat as many no thank you bites as however old they were. And... Now that they, like when Cubby turned 10 after double digits, I think it was like he had to have at least three to five bites of something. But uh, anyway, you know, like the kids in our house were never given any explanation. We never asked them what they wanted to eat. And in the last episode, I said that I didn't want to be like June Cleaver, but somehow I ended up like Caroline Ingalls instead. It was now, not about like what special meal I was going to cook with my pearls and fancy dress on or anything, but rather what I was able to gather from our seasonal farmers and how I could turn it into something that would, you know, be good to eat and fill up our bellies. And, and basically that was all. And, <laughs> um, so I, it was, it was probably worse or uh, more of an issue, um, when it came to socializing, because we realized that, you know, all the other people that we socialized with didn't think like us or eat like us or, um, I don't think we noticed how everybody ate because when you get together at a dinner party with your friends or when you get together for a football game or something, then nobody's really paying attention to who knows how to cook or who doesn't know how to cook. Everybody shows up. There's something to eat there. Nobody is discussing the quality of it or if it's farm fresh or whatever. Every once in a while, you got somebody who's like, they have a peanut allergy or something. But, I mean, outside of that, I don't think anyone's actually discussing the quality of the animals. Or So, yeah, so it really became hard to socialize with people and get together and you know, break bread, so to speak, with people anymore because they didn't have as, uh, not necessarily high of a standard, but they didn't have the same standard as us anymore. Well, I don't think anybody was thinking about it. And when I say anybody, even we were not doing that. And yeah, I mean, our whole way of, of approaching it had now changed. So Right. And how do you manage that? How do you handle overcoming all the judgment and how do you handle all the restrictions and manage social graces correctly? Like who knows? We didn't know. I mean, how, why are we even having to deal with this? You know, why? Uh, I, I don't know. We weren't ready for any of it and nobody is being prepared for something like that. At the same time, nobody was being prepared for their child being diagnosed with cancer or nowadays, you know, gluten intolerance, peanut allergies. You got people walking around with EpiPens that are four years old or whatever. How is that normal? I mean, who, 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we're, we're not unique to this. You know, we have next door neighbors who were all diagnosed with celiac within a year of Minakshi's diagnosis. Uh, another neighbor who their niece was diagnosed, um, with a cancer. Um, they were already ba- battling like weight issues and stuff. We had our neighbors behind us who were like, one of them was a pancreatic, cancer survivor, you know, I haven't met anybody who's healthy yet. Right. Like I think everybody's got a gun to their head uh, of some, some type, maybe not, you know, the cancer gun, but some gun, you know? Yeah. So we, we really, you know, we knew that there was a lot of toxins associated with um, the food that we're eating and we were just trying to reduce the toxins that we're eating. It was as simple as that. So yeah, we I think we had a hard eat. time explaining explaining that. Yeah, and and it, and it is a, you know, it's the convenience of getting food versus the inconvenience of looking for the proper ingredients, let the less, you know, or no toxins. Uh, Verifying not, farms. Yeah, uh, not eating on your way home or getting dinner on your way home, but actually getting home and making dinner, that kind of thing. Right. Then we realized how many people weren't cooking. We didn't know, or what we th- what we call cooking was defined so differently amongst people within our social circle, which didn't really it wasn't really relevant to and, us. And there's before. still a lot of people that you know use a microwave and say they're cooking dinner. That's not really cooking dinner, right? We're warming up a meal in a microwave is not actually cooking dinner. Yeah, popping a can is not cooking. Um, but anyway, you know, we couldn't like repeat this entire tragedy with our other two children and we couldn't repeat the same mistakes, especially now that we knew what the problems were. I mean, we, we know that there's a problem We're we've, we even have a solution for it, but you know, how do you, uh, correctly, um, you know, explain that in some type of diplomatic way and you know food is a very um uh personal thing you don't you don't I, I don't know how many of you have actually thought of the fact that you don't walk into someone's house and open their refrigerator it's like violating it's it's like violating their personal space you generally will ask someone's permission before you even open their fridge i mean I don't know. Me and my sister are really close. My mom, I don't go in my sister's house and just open her fridge without it saying, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to put this in the fridge or something silly. I mean, we're in each other's homes all the time, but, um, uh, you know, when you go into someone's refrigerator, now you've just, uh, crossed <laughs> this line, Cross the line yeah. you know, so, um, so no one knows how to have these conversations. We were certainly not graceful with it at all. And, um, you know, I don't know. I was always conflicted. Like were our friends and our family's children, not as important as our own. If we're choosing not to feed something to our children, because we know of the harmful side effects, um, do I not say anything to them? Do I not have a conversation about it with them? Um, you know, and if I do, then now I'm like, what, judging them somehow when I'm really not. But 
Anyway, you know, like, of course we tried to share our discoveries with people. And of course it didn't always end with a thank you, but maybe like, okay, peace out. (laughs) And, you know, even our family was unable to handle all the food judgments and the imposing restrictions of a real food diet. Like, and we were kind of living in sort of a strange twilight zone or where we were kind of unplugged from the matrix, but we were still kind of half plugged in with all of the same people in our community. And, um, you know, sometimes you just have to do what is correct, even when it's unpopular. And sometimes you are made to become an outlier to accomplish change for a greater cause. And we were called to this mission for educating, you know, by our daughter. And I don't think that we can let her legacy uh, fade or go. So we have sacrificed, I think, all of our social life. Yeah, I agree with that. We definitely have sacrificed our social life yeah, within the community and our friends and even our family. Yeah. And, um, but you know, the goal is to teach everyone that this is the healthier way to go to a longer life. Right. So, and to keep our, protect our children from predeceasing us and not just in the way, uh, I mean, what, what happened with Mina was very unique in the sense that she was so young, but you know, what we're referring to is we're at funerals with our 40 year old, 50 year old friends and we're sitting there with their 60, 70, 80 year old parents. That's not normal. That's not normal. That's the problem. And you know, the people that we're working with, the families that we're helping with the CSA that we've started uh, since 2009, I mean, we are helping families save their children, their parents, their siblings, or just themselves. And we're, we're reversing autism and MS and cancers and allergies, asthma, psoriasis, eczema. I mean, numerous gut and inflammatory health issues ranging from Crohn's disease to diabetes and obesity. And, you know, our kids hate it sometimes and, and we sure have our tough times. I mean, we were just at an event with our family and we don't get to have dinner with everybody because of the restaurant that they chose, you know? Yeah. We, there's lots of times where we have to fill out, figure out alternate ideas of where to eat or what to eat, or if we have to bring our own food in order to, um, have a meal that's proper, uh, versus eating with everyone else. So, you know, that's a sacrifice on our end. Uh, we don't get to, we don't always get to share, um, uh, a meal with the family members, you know, for an special occasion or anything like that. And you know what? That's not even like a cheat. I think some people think that we just don't want to cheat or something of that nature. But I think what no one realizes is that when you eat real nutrient dense grass based foods, then when you, um, do what you guys or not you guys, but anyone would call like a cheat meal for us it's not a cheat because we're actually left starving at the end of it the the problem isn't just that we're putting we're taking in toxins that we don't we even want to put in our body but the bigger problem is that we're hungry yeah usually usually what ends up happening is the food that we get from the farm is more nutrient dense and so we get full fuller 
eating off the farm than if we were eat to eat the same thing at a restaurant because it's not as nutrient rich or nutrient dense. So we'll eat that meal and then we'll come home and then I've noticed it with the kids more than anything else uh, is, is that they'll be hungry, like ready for another meal by the time we get home. Or less than that. If we're at an event, like let's say that we're at an event that starts, you know, around dinner time, everybody has dinner and we're going to hang out with everyone uh, like you would with family or friends until, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock. They are not full. They're starving. And the problem is they can eat continuously while we're there. And what happens when we come home? They still want something to eat. Like we still have to literally cook an entire meal. So that's the that's the bigger problem. On top of which we just took in a bunch of toxins that we don't want to take at all. So um, I don't know about you, but like, you know, it's kind of like when you, you've learned how to read and... You can't just pretend like you don't know how to read. I mean, let's just seriously think about that for a minute. If you decided, okay, I'm going to, I don't, I don't know how to read now. I mean, you know that S-T-O-P says stop. You can try to ignore it, but at the end of the day, you can't pretend that you don't know that that is stop. Is that correct? Yep. I agree with that. I don't know. I can't pretend to not know how much damage industrialized foods are going to do to our children. And, and so we don't stop. We can't stop. And we hope you will continue to listen to the podcast to learn how to identify real food versus imitation foods as we will go through that in uh, detail with every episode. And um, we want you to learn how to take the first steps to gaining health independence and food freedom. That is what being a regenerative consumer is actually about. Thanks for listening. Please leave an honest review about the show on iTunes and like and share our Facebook page. Um, You can also sign up for our newsletter. And if you like the education that we're bringing to you each week, can you please help support our 501c3 mission to reestablish the regenerative, organic, small family farm food system by making it happen today with a tax-deductible cash donation? You can register and make a donation at www.farmtoforkmeatriot.org. Again, that's www.farmtoforkmeatriot.org. And click on the donate button. I'm Neethi, signing off. Remember, let your farmer fill your prescription. Reboot, restore, and rejoice.